So uh, Friday night meditation, there was an interesting question that was asked. And the question was, you know, we just got past Halloween, and do Buddhists believe in ghosts and goblins? So I'm thinking, yeah, that's a great topic. Do they believe in ghosts and goblins? And, and the answer is, yes, they do. And, and, uh, and this may be why. Couple stories. First story, Sujata, the milkmaid, was feeding the tree spirits. And she went to one of her favorite trees and it seemed a bit different. She couldn't figure out what the difference was. And she looked carefully and it turned out to be Siddhartha Gautama before he became the Buddha. And this was his ascetic period and he hadn't eaten for a very long time and he was thin and his ribs were showing. So Sujata had her milk porridge and fed the Buddha. And that saved his life and that's when he decided the middle path was the best path. A little asceticism and a little happiness and pleasure, but not too much of one or the other. So, tree spirits. You know, I had never thought about tree spirits before. And, and then it sort of made sense, you know, that at that time in the world, pre-science, everything was alive. It was an amazing time, I'm sure, to be alive. And we had the rites and rituals that changed the reality. Um, it, what you believed in is what you saw. So it was a different time altogether. And then, and then Reverend Karuna liked to tell a story. And I think it was her. And the story goes like this. Uh, Dr. Tik Tinan um, was, was uh, called up by a friend of his who had an apartment house down the street. And the problem was that they had one apartment that they couldn't rent because it was haunted. And so he called Dr. Tinan and said, is there something we can do? Do you have, can you do an exorcism? Can you make sure that the spirits go away and they'll come back. And, and he said, yes, there's something I can do. So he got a couple of his monks and they, and they walked down the street and they went to the apartment and they petitioned the spirit, the ghost, the goblin, to follow them back to the meditation center, back to here. And that's when they did a ceremony and they told the spirit how to get reborn out of the earthly realm into the heaven realm. And the apartment owner thanked Dr. Tinan because after he showed up, the spirit never did. And I'm going, wow, you know, to have that kind of reality, to actually go out there and, and find spirits and bring them back. And then we have a ceremony called the Ulambana ceremony, which would be our Day of the Dead. I know the Mexicans now are celebrating the Day of the Dead, but we have the Buddhist Vulan ceremony, which is Ulambana, and that's when we have bamboo outside the door, and it's said if the wind rustles the bamboo, the spirits hear that, we get their attention, and we invite them into the zendo. And then we have these big wooden clackers, and we clack them, and that sound catches the attention of all the spirits. And then the Dharma talk that that day is to help them be reborn. Because apparently, 
A lot of people die and don't know how to get reborn. You know, and it's funny because if you'll go ask the priest or the minister or the pastor or the monk, how can I have a good life? And they'll be more than happy to tell you for hours on end how to have a good life. But if you go up to them and say, well, how do I have a good death? A lot of them may be uh, taken aback by the honesty of that question. And, and the one thing we know is that um, if we're alive, we're going to die. And, and death is an important consideration because it may be the rest of our existence. We might be in death. Wow. Of course, if you're a Buddhist, there's a good chance you'll come back as something. And I'd like to talk about what that something might be. And that would be the six realms of existence. Now, this is the Reader's Digest form of the afterlife of Buddhism because we have like 33 this and 33 that, but six is easier to manage. So we have a really nice heaven realm, and it's probably the place most of us would like to go because all your needs are taken care of, you always have enough, everything is pleasant, and, and you get to stay there for like a really long time, sometimes a 100,000 human lifetimes is the time you will spend in the heaven realm. So it probably seems like forever, but it's not, because there's nothing in Buddhism that is forever, except one thing, and I'll get to that later. So there you are, and you've been there like, you know, 999,000, and it's almost like 100,000, and you're going to have to leave, and you're really bummed out, and you don't want to leave, and you, and you say, please, don't kick me out. I know the karma that got me here finally wore out, but isn't there someone here that can prevent me from being reborn out of the heaven realm? And there isn't. There's not anything that can save you after you die, except time and karma. So now you're kicked out, and if you're lucky enough to get kicked out and end up in the human realm, you get a chance then to work really hard, be kind, compassionate, and wise, acquire merit, have a huge merit account, and then the next time you die, you'll get to go back to heaven for a really long time until they kick you out again. Okay, so that's sort of what most people are working on, going to heaven. Christians, Jews, Muslims, Buddhists. You know, most Buddhists aren't working on nirvana. They're not working on enlightenment. They just want to have a nice afterlife. And I don't blame them. Because trying to get enlightened is a whole lot of work. And it's not appreciated. People don't care what you're doing or why you're doing it, you know. So now we have a second heaven realm, and this heaven realm has desire attached to it. See, the first heaven was perfect, and there was no desire, there was no craving, there was no thirst to be quenched. But now this second heaven has some desire, has some thirst that will never ultimately be satisfied. And so it's not a perfect heaven. It's better than the human realm, but it's not a perfect heaven. And you're there a really long time, and then it's time to leave, and maybe there's not as much resistance. Maybe you say to yourself, well, you know what? This wasn't perfect. I want perfect. So if I can get reborn as a human, maybe I can get some of that merit, have some of that good karma, and go to the first heaven and be happy 
and not be dissatisfied with the second heaven. So there you are, dilemma after dilemma. And they kick you out, and if you're lucky, you get to come back to the human realm. And there you are, working hard to go to the first heaven and skip the second one. Now the human realm. This is the most important realm of all because this is where we are. We made it. And I'm sure most of us say at some point in our life, we didn't ask to be born. Why do I have these circumstances? Why can't I have a good life? And the truth is you did ask to be born because it's the karma that you created in all those past lifetimes that got you here. So this is your opportunity. Most of us don't look at it as an opportunity. Some of us look at it as a chance to be rich or famous or in love or have children or have a great car or a nice boat. We have a lot of ways of looking at this. But for a Buddhist, this is the best place we could be because this is where we find the Dharma. You know, and the Buddha had been here and the Buddha, even if he was here today, couldn't do a darn thing for any of us. But what he left behind was the thing that could do something for us, and that was the Dharma. That's our ticket. All we got to do is practice every day, every day. Get up early, stay up late, have the Dharma's bookends on your day. You can do it. Don't get distracted. Focus, focus, focus. And most of us don't do any of that. We get up, we turn on the news, have a cup of coffee, you know, it's just, that's how life is. But there is that option if we choose to take it. We can use the Dharma and that can be our ticket, not only to heaven, but to nirvana. The final goal of every Buddhist. The final goal. And you don't get kicked out of nirvana. Once you're in nirvana, you're in nirvana. There's no going back. I like that idea. Because everything in my life has always been temporary. Everything. And so to have something that will just exist and I don't have to worry about it ending or starting, wow, how radical would that be? So there I am as a human working on nirvana, trying to have a good life, realizing if I don't get nirvana, at least... I can go to heaven. And now I've got to stop and digress because the the third story is about to happen. And the third story is about the Vietnamese Zen master. Okay? And he's working real hard. You know, the Vietnamese Zen master says, you know, if I do everything right, then I'll get to go to enlightenment. But sometimes the Zen master says, well, maybe I should hedge my bet. Why don't I practice the pure land so if I don't get enlightened, at least I can go to heaven. So you've got this dual practice of pure land Buddhism and Vietnamese Zen Buddhism, which is Tian, and you work in both of them. So if one doesn't work out, the other one will. And I sort of like that idea. So why don't all of us work on enlightenment And then have a little going to heaven practice as well. Just in case. Because as we die, now this is the deal. As we die, we're going to lose our mind first. It's going to go. All those thoughts and ideas and mental constructs that we have will slowly dissipate into nothing. 
And if you think you're going to have a good last thought, you may not even realize you have a thought. It's there you are. So this practice that we're going to do is to create its own momentum. We want the practice to do itself. So when we're lying on bed trying to figure out who the hell we are, that practice is still working all by itself, taking us into that good direction. Enlightenment, heaven. Enlightenment, heaven. Now we come to the first hell. It can't all be good. There's always got to be a little bad to make the good better. So we got the first hell. And the first hell is the animal realm. Now, we have a few people who actually worked in animal rescue. And they're rescuing hell beings. You know, and I know you don't think that the little kitty or the little dog is, is in hell, but it is. Because it, it's very limited into how it approaches its life. Number one, it always wants to sleep. Number two, it's always hungry. Number three, it always wants to have sex. Number four, it's totally confused. That's its life. And some of us in our teenage years could probably relate to that. <laughs> so, so here we are. So how do you save them? How do you save them? Well, we work hard here at IBMC working with the little hell beings because they're in the backyard. And they're, they're cute and they're fat and they're fluffy. And, and they don't even know they're in hell. They don't know it could be better. You know? And we don't want to tell them. So we give them food and water. And we just make them feel comfortable. And they find a tree, and there's a little shade, and they take a nap, and then it's time for lunch, and then it's time for dinner. And it's just like, they got this little perfect hell-being life in the backyard of the meditation center. And, and then you think, but you know, I want to come back as a cat, because I take care of my cat so well, I'd like somebody to take care of me. Well, you know what? Most of those animals out there have a, just a terrible life. They're not taken care of. It's survival. They eat scraps. They catch mice. They get hit by cars. It's, just, it's not good to be an animal in, on this planet. And especially if you're a racehorse. Another horse died just a couple days ago. You know? 37 so far. Why? Because people want to bet and make money. You know what they call that? They call that greed. Maybe we don't need to have racehorses. Maybe we could have walking horses, and they could walk around the track, and the one that walks the fastest wins. You know? There might be other ways to do it. Okay. So the animal realm is not a good place to go. You don't want to go to the animal realm, but what you do want to do is you want to help animals. And that will open up your compassion and your kindness. And you can practice on animals, and then you take that practice and use it on people. Is it easier to help an animal than it is a person? I think it is. You know, I see people all the time when I go down to Ralph's, you know, and they're out there, hey, buddy, you got a buck? You got a buck? Got a buck? When I was young, as a recorder, but now it's a buck. I said, no, I'm sorry. I don't have any extra money. I said, I feed cats. <laughs> they look at me like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> I said, well, I feed cats, you know, and, and I've got nine cats, and I feed them every day, twice a day, as a matter of fact. It costs me about 100 150 bucks a month to feed the cats. But I have people helping. They send food. They send money. It, it works out okay. I said, you know, for that same 150 bucks, I couldn't even feed one person. 
but I can feed nine cats and give them flea medicine. Now, I don't want to seem insensitive to the plight of humans who are starving and homeless, but we all have our own way of helping those who are suffering. And if each one of us picks a category, humans, birds, fish, cats, dogs, they'll all be taken care of. One person can't do it all by themselves. You know, so I started with cats, and maybe one day I'll work up to humans. But, you know, the humans, they got their, they're tough because they sort of judge you and they criticize you. And you give them a dollar and they want two. And the cat just wants a little food and water. You know what I'm saying? It's just so much easier to be kind to a cat. But I'm working on it. And one day humans will be part of that picture. Now, I, I got to stop here before I go to the next two hell realms. Because people keep asking me, especially in high school when I give a talk, why do we keep having more and more people? You know? Are people being born? Are people dying? Or are they just revolving through the door of birth and death? Why does it seem we always have more people on earth? And, and I say to them, this is what I came to understand, that we have more people on earth because... We, the hell realms and the heaven realms are sending some of their folks to us. You know, they, they, 100,000 lifetimes, it's time to be reborn. So we get Mother Teresa. She comes from the heaven realm right to earth. We're really happy that she's here. You know, and, and so, but sometimes we get them from the hell realm too, you know. And, you know, Charlie, you know, Manson, you know. So I think right from the hell realm right to the human realm. So I'm thinking to myself, you know, some days it feels like everybody's just got here from the hell realm. And some days it seems like everybody just got here from the heaven realm. And that has a lot to do with me and my perception of the world and my reality. But I like that idea that we can help those hell beings who finally made it as a human. We can help them be more skillful and be part of the community and not cause pain and suffering to the others. You know, and for years I was a volunteer at uh, State Prison for Men, Central Juvenile Hall, uh, police department, you know, helping people who, more than likely, this might be the first rebirth out of hell, and they were just confused on how to get along with everybody. You know, so I was there saying, hey, did you ever think about the Dharma? Because the Dharma can be your guide, and you can have a better life, more kind life. You can see life in a much different way by practicing the Dharma. Then we've got the next hell realm, and it's called the hungry ghost realm. And you've seen these people around. They're all around, you know, and they're, they're sort of large, and they have these giant bellies, and they have this little pinhole for a mouth. And you know how people are smiling now? They put their lips together in person. It reminds me of the, like the hungry ghost realm. The mouth is never open anymore, you know. What happened to grinning and showing your teeth? They just said, mm. you know. So here we are, and, and no matter how hard they try to cram the food through that little pinhole of a mouth, they're always hungry. They're never satisfied, you know. And now we've got like Black Friday, and I heard on the news that Black Friday is starting earlier so we can all buy more stuff. And that's just what we need is more stuff because we don't have enough. All the stuff that we have does not seem to satisfy that desire for stuff. Just like the hell realm of the hungry ghosts. 
So when you go shopping and you're in Target, you're in the hungry ghost realm. Be careful. I know they're on sale, but you've got to spend to save. And that's not a good deal. So here you go. We can go to the hungry ghost realm and see how those folks are doing. We can go to the animal realm and be a service to them. There's a lot of work for us to do. And now we've got the final hell realm, the worst one of all, the one you never want to go to. And one sure way of getting there, according to Buddhism, is to kill your parents. If you kill your parents, right to hell. And I keep watching on the news people, young people killing parents. I mean, what the heck is going on? So, how is this hell realm so bad and different from the others? Well, in this hell realm, you sort of look like you do right now. And you're just walking around, and it's a beautiful day, and the sun is out, and there's not a cloud in the sky. And all of a sudden, the tree you're standing underneath, the leaves turn into razor blades, and they fall from the sky, and they cut you into a million pieces, and you cry out in pain and suffering, and then you get to be resurrected right there on the spot to die again and again and again until you finally purify the karma that put you there. Wow! And you're going to be there like a hundred thousand lifetimes dying a couple times every day. So we don't want to go to hell. We don't want to kill anything if we can avoid it. We want to at least make it to the human realm. And then you got those other two heavens to go to. And so when you talk about ghosts and goblins, and you talk about do they really exist, I think they do. And there have been times when we've had weekend retreats in the Zendo. And right over there is the memorial altar. That's where all the dead people live. And you know, all of a sudden you see movement over there. You know, almost like a shadow. You can feel things. You can hear things. It's freaky. And my room is right above it. So they come to visit me once in a while too. But the cats scare them away. So it works out okay. Now, if you ever get a chance to go look at our memorial altar, all the pictures are over there. And these are, we got young people, we got old people, we got cats, we got dogs, we got birds. We got a lot of things that die. And they're all over there. And if you stand in front of that altar and you just look, you'll notice that they're all smiling. Because when people take your picture, you smile. Sometimes there's that little cheeky lip thing going on, sometimes a big grin, sometimes teeth are showing. But everyone over there is smiling. I couldn't figure it out at first. Why are they all smiling? And then it dawned on me. They're saying, you're next. (laughs) Oh, man. That's a trip. (laughs) So, ghosts and goblins, absolutely. We need to understand that they're here because they couldn't figure a way out. They don't want to be here. If you're a ghost, there's nothing you can do. You got no fun. You can't eat. You can't drink. You can't drive a car. You're just flying around, trying to scare people, maybe, or trying to make friends. So, Halloween's a special evening. It reminds us that everything that is born has to die. And in between birth and death, there is candy. 